For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands Of a God who never sleeps Fear not, little lamb For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands of a God who Tending Lambs. I'm Katie. I'm Abby. And I'm Sam. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing gratitude and um, helping our kids when they wish for things maybe that they can't have or that are unrealistic um, and how to hold those boundaries, um, especially if it involves buying something or going somewhere, uh, some action that we can't take, um, but we can but we still need to manage as parents. So one thought I just wanted to add is um, Sam brought up this idea for this episode and I thought it was just especially pertinent as everyone's facing different quarantine orders um, and our kids are stuck inside and maybe even more limited than they normally are. Um, there's probably a lot of wishful thinking going on in a lot of homes across the country right now. So um, I thought it would just hopefully be a helpful episode on that front. So let's get started. Um, one of the things we wanted to go over to begin with is um, just some of the brain development stuff that occurs behind asking for things. And that uh, a lot of times kids, when they are asking for things or thinking out loud or um, just expressing desires for things or um, yeah, things that they can't have. Uh, I think as parents, because if we expressed ourselves that way, it would come across as or possibly be very selfish um, to just constantly be wanting and asking for things. Um, but there's a lot of interesting research on the brain development of kids, of course, and Whole Brain Child uh, by Dr. Dan Siegel is a great place to start with that. Um, but kids basically don't have the same social constructs that we do around selfishness. And um, of course, we know our kids best a lot of times just don't have the same filters that we do. So they just say what they're thinking. Um, and that can include wants and desires. And so, um, you know, where we as adults maybe think to ourselves a lot more, even fleeting thoughts in the store about, oh, that's nice. Oh, that looks cool. Um, just as we pass things, those things tend to be a little bit more intense in our kids' brains. And um, without the filter that, you know, develops with age and maturity, um, a lot of times it just comes out of their mouth and it's innocent enough. It's not, um, what am I trying to say? Malicious. Or yeah, it's not malicious. Fish. It's not a, um, 
it's not a selfish necessarily desire. It's just kind of the same way we process things that we like and don't like or want to do mm -hmm. or don't want to do. So. And they're just doing it out loud. Exactly. <laughs> That's for us. It's in our head most of the time. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And I actually read a really interesting article. I'll try to find it for our show notes. I don't remember what resource it was on. But I thought it was a really interesting kind of thing to throw out there about how kids just don't have the same concept of finite resources that adults do. Mm -hmm. And so money is kind of an abstract. I remember when I was a kid <laughs> wanting things in the store and asking my mom, probably every kid did this. And it's like, my mom would say like, we can't afford that. And I'd be like, well, just write a check, you know, why? Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Just get out your money card. What are you, what are you talking about? Or when they pull up like a penny and they're like, I have money here, take this. <laughs> yeah, here. I have it all. They here just have right no here. concept. Yeah. yeah. Abe's mom actually tells a story. He was super into like RVs when he was a kid. He thought they were super cool. And she, there's a family story about, I don't know if they were going to look at RVs, I think for his grandparents or something. And um, they went into this RV and like toured it. And afterwards, Abe genuinely, like very sincerely pulled out a $5 bill and like offered it to the owner. <laughs> I don't know how old he was at the time, but you know, kids just don't have the same concept at all of money. And I would say even older, you know, even getting into eight, nine, 10, 11, it's just not, it's maybe a little bit more realistic than that. Um, but this idea that our resources are finite, our time is finite. We can't just organize a vacation to Disney World every other week, you know, is right. a little uh, undeveloped. Yeah, well, and they're trying to work through all of, like, they start to understand that there's a transaction being made. Like, you see kids trading things pretty young. Um, and yeah. for them, it's the value that they're assigning to things. Um, it's a very free market with the, with the little ones, but like with Weston, Weston's eight and he understands the numbers that he sees and he understands that we have to have that amount to give. But if we don't, oftentimes he'll be like, well, here, I have this. Why don't we sell this? Like he doesn't, he still doesn't understand the, the constructs and the value um, yeah. as they are sure. today. Uh, for adults and stuff so in his mind he's like oh I have a quick fix for it and I mean that can be really great because then you see kids I mean there's 12 year olds with businesses and stuff like that or just yeah. lemonade stands or um, so just watching them process it is really interesting but yeah even at the age where he understands if we don't have enough in his mind he's still thinking but if we do xyz then we will so right. he mm -hmm. still kind of hits a wall there a little bit we have to work through sometimes right well and I've been noticing this with Calvin and for younger kids, like toddlers and, you know, preschool age, and then even into like six, seven, eight kind of, uh, well, maybe not quite eight years old, but like younger than maybe seven, it's even more like, it just seems very arbitrary what they can and can't have. Mm -hmm. They don't have any concept of what is theirs and what isn't theirs. It's just the whole world is it exists at the tip of their fingers. And it's like, oh, I can, like for a baby, for example, I can grab this soft stuffed animal, but I can't grab this glass vase. Like they don't know why. They mm -hmm. don't have any concept of like, oh, this glass vase will break. And of course, that's where 
our wisdom as adults comes in. It, like we have the foresight and the experience to know the consequences of actions and how things relate to each other. But kids like Calvin doesn't know why when we're in the car, we can't go to Mimi's house. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I have to tell him, no, we can't go to Mimi's house. And he, I know he's in the back seat, like crying for Mimi. Like he's very upset about that. And he doesn't know why. He just wants yeah, to. Yeah, he's see. associating in the car with yeah. somewhere where he wants to go. Right. Everything's kind of a vessel. <laughs> exactly. And he's like, okay, well, this is, we're in the car. This is how we get to Mimi's house. Like, mm-hmm. this is. Why in the world you know, couldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Why in the world could we not? Or like, oh, well, we have a house. Like, why couldn't we get a different house? Like, why? There's this real, like, limit of understanding the world and its boundaries. And that's kind of the whole thing about children is like, they will never stop asking for more. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they're just selfish. It's mm-hmm. just because it comes into their mind. They want it. And they, they're, they are in the process of learning where those limits are. Right. They're not there yet. You know, their development isn't there yet. And their level of experience isn't there yet. So like when Calvin wants to keep going on a walk and we have to go back because it's getting to be lunchtime and then we got to do nap time. Like I'm the one that has to hold that limit. Mm-hmm. And it's not his fault that he's upset by that. He just is, you know, and me holding that limit is really important in him learning like the schedule of things and mm-hmm. knowing that things are safe and that mom has things under control. Right. Exactly. It's an interesting having the range of kids that we have, uh, especially on this particular issue. Cause they're all about like two and a half, three years apart. Um, and so, like, for example, if we go to the store, um, obviously the baby just wants to grab everything that she wants to grab and has no idea what's going on. But um, And then you get to Isla, and she's three, and she sees stuff, and she wants it. And if you say, no, we can't get that right now, a lot of times she just goes, okay. But when she really wants something, she just does not understand why we cannot put it in the cart. Like, we're putting the things that we need in the cart mm. and take it home. She wants to bring it home. That's what she, like she did. Every other concept involved in this is, is it's just not there yet. Whereas with Poet, who's five, you can say, I only have $10, and this is what our $10 needs to go to. And so, She's right. still kind of in the phase where she's like, but I want it, but I want it. But I, I hear yeah. what you're saying, but I want it. Right. And then with Weston, he's getting to the point where he's like, okay, we only have the $10, so we can only spend $10. And then he starts to try and, uh, <laughs> and what's, what's the word like? Negotiate. Uh, negotiate. And he's, yeah. he's trying to negotiate. Well, what, do, what if we put this back? And then we do this. What if we call daddy and see if he has extra money? Like, like it, it's just been funny to watch in these specific stages, um, the difference between each one. Mm-hmm. That is really funny and cute. Yeah, I've thought about that a lot, um, especially when Evie was a baby. You know, you're always thinking, like, what are they thinking? What's going on? <laughs> right. You know, especially before they're really verbal. Um, and I remember thinking the same thing you were kind of talking about, Katie, like, man, this world must seem so arbitrary to them. Like our rules must seem mm-hmm. so, are, like, you can play with a toy, but you can't play with chords, you know, why? It doesn't, right. it, yeah, it doesn't make any, it seems like such arbitrary lines. 
even when they're a little bit bigger too, it's we have the money for this or we have the, the resources for this. So why can't we use it for the thing that right. I feel right. is more important right now? Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I just kind of wanted to touch on that because I feel like, um, like Katie was saying, like holding those boundaries actually is really important in helping them learn to navigate the world. But I think the problem comes when we as parents start assigning motives to our kids yeah. um, and over spiritualizing it. Yeah, exactly. Big time. Big time. Um, so that was just one thing I wanted to touch on is that, you know, we can hold those boundaries and we're going to go over some kind of practical application of that. But, um, yeah, I just think just like with the rest of gentle parenting, it's okay to hold the boundary with, without judgment and, um, without needing to teach your kid a lesson out of it. You know, they, your kid, <laughs> your kid hopefully is not going to be like a 25 year old who's still like throwing fits in the store, you know, like that, that well, most likely is not going to happen. <laughs> so um, there's really no need to like force a lesson out of um, the areas in which you feel like maybe they're being selfish. And I think as they get older, there can be elements of selfishness for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that's okay too. That's part of development. And we just as parents graciously work through that with them. Um, but what's great about that is about gentle parenting in that regard is you actually don't even have to assign that motive to them. Like maybe they are being selfish, um, but you still get to handle it the same way. You still hold the boundary and, um, you know, model gratitude for them and yeah. um, continue, continue showing them what it looks like to be a confident leader um, who is thankful for the things that you have, you know, so that yeah. they can learn to be thankful for the things that they have. I think that's one of the things that cannot be overstated um, is the modeling and it and i i get this sense sometimes that a lot of people feel like that's not enough yeah. like they really have to like lecture their kids about gratefulness or they have mm -hmm. to like set them down and show them how ungrateful they're being and and i it just it just seems so counterproductive to me to do that when a when a child is in in the moment of feeling disappointment or frustration about not getting something like that is not the moment they're going to be the most receptive to to a conversation about that mm -hmm. i don't think and secondly it just seems much less effective um just like learning anything really learning by watching and then having a hands-on approach like involving um gratefulness in the way you talk to them and in just your daily life and when you say prayers and thankful and like thank Jesus for this and this and you when you extend gratitude to the people around you and you make that a part of your life they're going to pick that up and be able to um, um, internalize it yeah 
Yeah. Internalize it much better than if you're just lecturing them and like throwing it at their face. Yeah. And it doesn't have the same context for them because they're thinking, I just want what I want and I'm frustrated and you're not listening and la la la. Why can't we have a bigger yard? Why can't we have this candy? Why can't we go to Mimi's house? You know, <laughs> whatever it is. Like, right. And you kind know, of short circuiting their process there too, because I mean, when I want something and I'm thinking it would be really nice to have a bigger space to work with. And I mean, as an adult, I think, okay, well, this is the space I have to work with now. Um, maybe we can consider ways that we could get towards this goal in the future, like making it a goal. And there's just this whole process that you go to and you move on. But when a kid's like, I want a bigger backyard and you're like, you need to be grateful for what you have. That just seems to me that it would limit this natural process that comes forth from, from right. working through, okay, you don't have this. Uh, what do you have? And like, what can, what can you work with? Yeah. What can you do with the goal that you have now? If you have a goal, um, it's just, there's so much that's lost in that. Yeah. yeah. And I think as adults, even for adults, it's really hard to hold that imbalance, to hold that like, um, I want to be grateful for what I have, but I also have goals for things that I want in the future yeah. and things that I'd like to obtain in the future. And we need a bigger space or we need to own our own home or we need this and I would like this and I'd like a better dishwasher or whatever, like a better car. And holding that balance is really hard. And when you just like go straight to lecturing about gratefulness for what you have, you totally, like you were saying, Sam, you really like mess up that internal process and like learning how to strike that balance. Yeah. Not that having that conversation at points is a bad thing all the time. It's okay to talk about gratefulness, of course, mm. and thanking Jesus for what we have. but. Yeah, you don't want to just interrupt that that process as they work through also the frustration of not having the things that they want. Right. Well, and if you go into it gently as well, if a child is, I mean, genuinely lamenting over something, what better of an opportunity to get down on their level and be like, I know that we just lost something really important to us or you just lost something really important to you and then to be able to share with them that God still loves them and cares for them and, and to not point out the things around them in a way to invalidate them but to, to comfort them um, and remind them that they're that they're still loved and cherished and, and okay right like it doesn't have to be a lecture it can like sometimes mommy feels sad but I also like I feel really comforted that I have daddy and you guys and well and on the the note of modeling too is when we think about gratitude and some of the other things that coincide with gratitude and and contentment um and just I mean behaving in a way that that reflects that you you start to get into empathy and generosity um mm -hmm. and uh like to kind of combat selfishness and envy and discontentment and stuff like that. And so if we're, if we're modeling those things, that's a much more powerful picture than when your three-year-old or five-year-old or eight-year-old says, I want this thing. And you say, well, you can't have it and you need to be happy about that. Um, because if you're, if you're modeling the processes of, of being 
not only grateful for what you have and encouraging that in your children, I mean, you're going to, you're going to turn out some, hopefully <laughs> some, some empathetic, generous mm -hmm. children. And that's a, a huge thing with, um, with the concern of having entitled children is that they're not going to be compassionate, empathetic, generous. Um, there's, there's just a whole lot more implications, I think, than just right. being ungrateful in that moment or like, oh, I have a selfish kid. You're worried about how they're going to function in the world. Um, but yeah. modeling that to them is, is the most powerful thing that you can do. You yeah. know, two things come to mind, actually. The, um, hearing you guys talk about this in particular, I think of that, did you all ever watch the show Wife Swap? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think of like, I like seriously, when you think of, I saw this one, I only ever watched a couple of episodes, but there was like one of the ones that I watched was like a super, super athletic family and like super healthy, super fit, whatever family. And then the other one was like, we'll just say the opposite. And the moms switched places, obviously. And I just think of how like the, even the kids were uncomfortable with this mom's way of doing things because they had picked up like, that was just the way their home works you know the athletic kids like it was an emphasis in their home because their parents are athletic mm -hmm. because they are out doing things because they eat this certain kind of food and then they go and they do this and this and this whatever um that was just the expectation and the way they did things in their home the same that went for the other family. And I think that's like a real, you can see that when you go in other people's homes or when you get, get like become friends with people that they're, the culture in their home is so different depending on who you're with. And the kids really pick up on that. And it is so important, this idea of modeling. And I think that's one of the things that's become scary to me, actually, as Calvin gets older and I'm becoming more and more aware of the aspects of our home culture that I'm not so happy about or about me and my habits that I'm not so happy about because I know those are the things he picks up. Mm -hmm. Like so much more than anything I could say and tell him to his face. Like so many kids grew up in really abusive homes where the parents demanded all sorts of like manners and respect but the culture of the home like obviously did not lend itself to that so you don't get a bunch of like very confident and respectful and empathetic children out of an environment where it's not modeled you just don't yeah um so true and on that note like bringing that note as what like the modeling note with the development note there's this quote that we posted from Pam Clark um, on the website or on the um, the Facebook page and it goes um, she said when we model respect to our children and all we say do expect and respond and how we listen to them they will come to understand what those things look like feel like sound like and they can give them back to us authentically with more and more gracefulness as their development and maturity allows. Amen. And <laughs> I, I just think that that is so important not to like rush that process because yeah. they're two or they're six or they're eight or they're 13. And you've got to keep where they are in mind as you're, as you're wanting them to 
you know, be grateful for what they have. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's go over some ways just practically that we as parents can kind of help manage these things. Um, and we have a few for younger kids and then a few um, that I think we, we can throw in for older kids as well. Um, so the first one we kind of talked about is just empathizing. Um, a lot of times if you're in a grocery store or your kid just mentions something in passing, I think so many times often just a, wow, that is pretty cool, helps a lot. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. can just be left at that, you know. That's always, actually um, when but, I kind of switched over from from trying to convince them that they didn't need it. Um, yes, it was just yes. like a reaction of like, yeah, it was just it was it was me. It was only to like that is so cool, isn't it? There are so many times, like nine times out of ten, especially with um, with the girls who have been affirmed more in that way. That like, yeah, that is really cool. I like that too. Um, that they just, they look at it and they think it's super cool. And then they set it down and they move on to the next thing. It's just, yeah, just not yep. because I haven't needed this big deal. Well, I right. think so many parents, the instinct is to go, we can't have that right now. Yeah. We can't afford that. We can't get that right now. We can't go there right now. And your kid may actually not even be asking for yeah. that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. A lot of times it's just this internal commentary of like, this right. is the coolest thing ever. I want it with my whole heart. And then it's not even really that big of a deal to them. And like we were saying earlier, don't we do that all the time? Like seriously, yeah. <laughs> when I'm walking through Target, let's be honest. Oh uh, yeah. My internal dialogue, like, oh, my cool. wow, I really like that. Wow. That's so cool. You, you know, know, this is the best thing ever. It's actually <laughs> funnier. <laughs> That was something between Quine and I, actually, and it still is occasionally when, when like, signals get crossed, but, like, he, his culture is much more, um, when they say something, they intend to do it, mm-hmm. basically, like, they are very intentional about the things that, I mean, it's not, it's, oddly enough, it's unintentional, it's, like, subconscious, almost, the way their culture works is like they don't say they're going to come over unless they mean it like they don't say Mm -hmm. let's hang out unless they mean it they don't say um you know i'd like a bigger apartment unless they intend on like searching for a bigger apartment they might talk about like like if it's in the context of a like the future and things that they would hope for in the future and it's very clear that they're not talking about right now but um I'm just the kind of person that's like, oh, I'd like to do this. Oh, I really want to go to Stone Mountain. Oh, I really want to do these things. Oh, I'd really love, I just, I do that because I'm like, I'm a really, I verbal process everything. And (laughs) it took him a long time to realize that I wasn't asking for all of these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was stressing him out thinking like, (laughs) like, when are we going to do it this morning? Yes. When are we going to have time to do all of these things? How are we going to afford this? And I'm just like, kind of spouting off these random things you know <laughs> and I think kids do <laughs> really silly but I do I think that happens a lot of kids they're not even really asking they're just like ooh, dreaming you know yeah okay. right right so one thing um that I've seen suggested in a lot of gentle parenting groups and I think it's a great idea if it's realistic for you like that one time out of 10 that the oh that's really cool doesn't seem to cut it is um, if you're in a store uh, taking a picture 
Mm -hmm. of an item and just saying like, yeah, Sam, I think you've mentioned that before. Like just taking a picture of it and kind of saving it in the back of your head for later. Maybe even genuinely as a parent, add it to a birthday list or just a special treat list. Um, And there are um, usually, I would say in our experience with the kids, is that if it is super, super important to them, they will remember. If it's not, they will never bring it up again. And I've even brought up the folders and been like, any of this stuff, any of this stuff? Because you know when grandparents ask, like, what do they want for their birthday? And most of the time, they don't remember it and they don't care. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Or if it's not an item, it's an experience or something that they have mentioned and kind of aren't dropping real quickly with it. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Um, Adding it to a list of some sort, maybe of activities to do. Um, You know, if you guys do something special on Saturdays or a special outing for their birthday or even a family vacation, maybe you can start a list and as you're discussing what to do, um, keep those things in mind. and so also, that was something really cool. Thing. Again, for the uh, like when when family members and friends ask, because if there's an experience that the kid yep. wants, um, that is, it's. I mean, it's also very minimalistic too. Um, if you don't want a bunch of stuff, is is to be like they really want a membership to the zoo. So we're if you could like chip in five dollars for that or something like that. Um, yeah. And people do that all kinds of different ways and all kinds of different things. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a really great way to to remember that and put an emphasis on that and see how other people can help if they want to. Right. Um, and then my favorite one, especially for younger kids is just encouraging their imaginations. Um, if you know, they aren't dropping it with an, Oh, that's so cool. Or um, even if they just don't seem particularly perturbed or upset by it. Um, or even if they do actually, I guess you could use that uh with the situation as well is just saying what do you think we could do with that if we bought it you know um what what could we do with that if we had that what would you do if you had 17 of those you know like just kind Mm -hmm. of encouraging a silly kind of playful imaginative approach to things Um, that we have right now yeah I was gonna say like um it might sound kind of like invalidating but or just silly but that can really encompass the silly things and the really big things like um if you live in an apartment and your child has friends who have big yards and he really wants a yard like that's such a natural desire to want space and to to have that access to the outdoors and just play and be a kid so but it's kind of a, a big desire but to to take that frustration and be like, what would you do in your backyard? And yep. it's, mm. it's just, that's so much more, um, that's so much more validating and creative and such an outlet for that frustration. If there's genuine frustration there, because then they can use their imagination and do what kids do and kind of play that out instead mm. of, instead of just kind of setting in that frustration. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that Cornet has been doing in some of his free time is, sketching uh and designing the house that he would like us to live in eventually like his dream Mm -hmm. home and i think that's such a creative way to like in productive way to think about things you know the future and like you don't have to you know be a super artist to be able to kind of like sketch out a room or kind of a floor plan or you know i think for kids 
being able to journal or sketch out or draw the things that they would like to do in a new home or like, wow, if you could have um, a big yard, maybe, you know, in a few years, we'll be able to get a bigger yard. Like, what kind of things would you like us to put in that yard? Like, mm -hmm. you know, just being able to dream about that. It doesn't, I feel like people get almost threatened or like they feel like they're going to encourage ungratefulness yeah, if they do that when it's really just a natural thing that humans humans desire things you know and and if you make desires the enemy mm -hmm. then that's going to really backfire on you i think like it's you can have desires and also be grateful for the things that you have and sometimes your desires cause frustration because you don't have them right now. Uh, but those two things are not um, mutually exclusive. I enjoy and love the house that we live in now. It's huge. We have a giant yard. We can walk up and down this dirt road. It's amazing, but it doesn't have a fence. It's not our own. I, so it does feel still kind of like we're in transition and that's disappointing but i can also really love this house you know it's those two things don't have to be like against each other yeah, yeah. and i think what you were saying katie can actually sometimes be a solution in and of itself like the drawing or the outlet kind of for that pent-up desire um even if it's not like for Cornet, even if it's not owning the house of your dreams, sometimes just designing it and imagining it and kind mm -hmm. of having an outlet for that desire um, in and of itself can be a, like an end, you know? Yeah. Um, I find that with myself, like uh, Abe and I, one thing we really, we are really interested in real estate and investing and stuff. And that's kind of like a long-term goal of ours and desire and we can't afford it right now, but we just enjoy going on Zillow and looking at houses. Like, it's <laughs> kind of fun, you know, like to think about like, oh man, what if we could afford this as an investment property? Like, that'd be so cool. We could blah, blah, blah. And sometimes just that, like 10 minutes of like kind of perusing Zillow is enough to kind of like satiate that desire. I don't know if yeah. that makes sense or not, but no, it definitely makes sense. And another thing that I was thinking while you were talking about the dream, like, you know, going off of that, I don't say this, don't do this in the moment in heat of frustration. But one way to help kids through is also to encourage dreaming about what they have now. Like yeah. dreaming about the future is really great, but also coming up with creative ways to use the space you have now or the mm -hmm. toys you have now or the this and then this and the this. It doesn't work if you're trying to convince them out of wanting something else. Yeah. But when there's a moment and they're coming to you and they're kind of bored, you can encourage specific things like, hey, why don't you go get your sketchbook and come up with a bunch of things that you could do with this 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 and this like i'll help you i'll get you started here are a couple of ideas that i have you know like yeah encouraging that creativity about what they have now can really be uh an encouragement for them yeah. and i will say um that 
like with Wesson in particular, he doesn't take suggestions very well like that, but I've noticed that the less of a deal I've made about it. So like if he's mom, I'm bored. I don't want to go outside. I don't want to be around my sisters or like I've read all my books or whatever that um, if I encourage him to, to consider other things, um, sometimes he just doesn't do it and he kind of has to rest in that being bored for a while. And that's, right. that's okay. I always, I have this tendency to want to fix that and want to convince them into things. Um, and, um, but I, I've noticed that over time as we've just been more comfortable with doing that and not necessarily having to entertain because sometimes with the younger kids, they want you to frequently entertain them. Um, is that they they will find creative outlets like they yeah. will get bored enough or they will get like I guess bored enough is probably the the best term to find things to do with what they have and it doesn't have to be like we got you all these toys you have all these things you have this room like why don't you just go enjoy it like right it, it can just genuinely be an invitation or an encouragement or just really just anything yeah well I've noticed with Calvin that sometimes it really just takes him getting through a real big upset and then suddenly he's like off doing things that like if I had sat there with him and showed him his cars or this or that he would throw it like he'd be like no I don't (laughs) want that it's boring you know and he's like I want you to pick me up and entertain me and I you know in my stronger moments I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I'm having to do this or this or this. Like, mm-hmm. even if I have to kind of make up a reason, but I know like in this moment, like what he needs actually isn't, I mean, of course you're always connecting. So there's connection there, but he, he doesn't need me to entertain him yeah. is what I mean. Like he needs to go express, you know, whatever is going on in there. And he does. And then 10 minutes later, he's like, happily playing underneath the table by himself and I'm like, oh yeah that's how isla is frequently the one who's three she just she will she'll kind of like nag and and i can tell when she's in this mood of like it won't really satisfy her if i if i no. give her whatever the thing she's just kind of in a mood and if i hold my boundary and i'm just like okay i can see yeah you feel a little frustrated or or like, yeah, you want me to hold you right now, but I'm cooking dinner, so I can't. I'm sorry about that. Um, she'll go and find something that she hasn't played with in a while. Like, they'll rediscover things. Mm-hmm. They'll just play with Legos. They'll they'll just be, sometimes she'll just be around me and find things to kind of poke at and stuff. And um, so, so what could have seemed like a really big deal and an entitled bratty kid is kind of just a kid who's, who feels a need for something and they're not necessarily sure what that is or they haven't found the solution for it yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important. They have that opportunity to Mm -hmm. look and find it for themselves. I think without us swooping in and having to give it to them every time they ask for it. Yeah. Katie, what you were saying was actually a suggestion I was going to make for like older kids too is, um, kind of bringing them into a brainstorming and problem solving process because as kids get older like we were saying their um, concept of reality becomes much more concrete and so um, so do their desires and wants well they may not be as concrete but they um, at least have a concept (laughs) of like what is and isn't feasible Um, 
so like we have friends right now whose 13 year old is figuring out figuring out ways to make money to um, buy the things he wants and what happens when you lose a pet sitting job or you know like you have to find Mm -hmm. other ways to compensate for that Um, but his you know he's not saving up for a vacation to Tahiti he's saving up for a scooter you know so um, Mm -hmm. their concepts of reality like do become much more concrete Um, so I think helping your kids understand like you know you're maybe as teenagers like you're gonna need to earn some money for that let's come up with some ways that you can do that or maybe you can find one used or you know just kind of bring into the brainstorming process I think that is super invaluable because that that's how you function as an adult right like brainstorm solutions and you come up with the best option for yourself and your family so um I think that's a great option you know starting when they're younger maybe having them draw the pictures and stuff and then of course as they become older and things become more concrete not shutting down those desires um, maybe having gentle conversations about how to attain those goals and whether or not they can be attained mm-hmm. but um yeah I just think I know so many te- like heck when I was a teenager I feel like if my parents had kind of handled the way that I wanted things that way um I don't know. I think I would have felt much more heard and um, maybe had a better idea of like what I could and couldn't afford or um, what was and wasn't feasible as far as even things like a car. You know, I think sometimes teenagers just need a tiny bit of guidance and then their creative brains will find a way. (laughs) Like when you Mm want to start driving, find a way. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what's going to, I mean, take them into adulthood and and through their careers and with their families and just circumstances in life is the the determination to get through it and the creativity to find resources or make resources or be a resource. It's just, you don't want to just crush it out of them and then have an adult on your hands who genuinely does not know how to problem solve. No, exactly. And that's, that's, something Cornet and I were actually just talking about on our walk today. Well, this is in the physical realm, not so much like problem solving in in like the, you know, mental sphere, but like, so we were at my aunt's house yesterday and she has a a dog and he was like a year old, two years old. I'm not sure, but he's still a puppy and very much like running around. He's an Australian shepherd uh, really rambunctious dog and Calvin was just having a blast like running around he'd pick up a stick and like you know he knew the dog would come for it so he would start running and like five steps in would scream and throw the stick and like the <laughs> dog would come and like barrel over him and he would get knocked over and he was getting scratched up and it was really fun one of the things that Cornet and I were talking about was how scrapes and bruises are kind of a like a real natural part of childhood Mm-hmm. and that that's why we're so comfortable with that and it really that type of mentality also can be taken into when they're frustrated and uh upset about something like they really need to that's a normal part of life and they need to feel that and go through it and experience it and learn where their boundaries are just like physically you know, kids need to be able to do that so that they can learn what's safe and they can go through that process. It's also the same 
with these types of things as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good illustration. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. And I hope this episode has been helpful. And um, certainly if you guys have any ideas that we did not go over in this podcast, um, feel free to join our group and throw those out there because there's a bunch of parents in that group that I'm sure would love to have your input right now. And we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. There's always so much more that can be said. So if you'd like to continue the conversation, please join us in the Tending Lambs Facebook group. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash tendinglambs, Instagram at tendinglambs, and for show notes, our blog, and other gentle parenting resources, check out tendinglambs.com. If you're a fan of this podcast and would like to help us continue creating content, we now have a Patreon. We'd love it if you would consider supporting us through that platform. As a patron, you'll be supporting the podcast, blog, and entire Tending Lambs community. But not only that, you'll receive lots of fun perks as well. Sign up to support us at patreon.com slash tendinglambs. And as always, until next time.